Glory to God. Glory to God. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, God has you on his mind. And he has good things for you on his mind. His word is full of good things. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you open up with me this morning to the third epistle of John, chapter 1, the only chapter, verse 2. Third John 1, 2. Hallelujah. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. The King James says that above that in all respects, that above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in good health. You know, in all respects, above all things, he wants you to prosper and be in good health. Above all things. Now that you're saved, above all things. He wants you to prosper, and he wants you to be in health. Amen? Go back over to New American Standard, please. So this is what God's prayer is for us, to be in, not get by health, not good enough health. He wants us to be in good health. It's God's desire. And this is all part of prosperity. He wants us to prosper in life. That is God's will for us. That's God's will for you. You ought to tell yourself, that's God's will for me. God's will is that I prosper and that I be in good health. In all respects and above all things. Thank you, Jesus. Every area of our life. He wants prosperity in every area of our life. It means the totality of my life, the whole thing. All of my life, all of my health, all of my wealth, all of my peace, all of my righteousness, all of my relationships, in all wisdom, in all understanding, in all decisions, in the things that are of his will. He wants us to prosper. And I'm preaching more than, than you are excited. This is what God wants for us. Now, you may be a little better off than where you were when you first got saved. I'm better off than where I got saved 41 years ago and started learning the principles of the Word of God. But I'm nowhere near where I could be. So you know what? I don't just sit down and go, well, I've, I've come a long way and this is good enough. It is never good enough because Jesus' life was given so that your life can always be better. Isn't that right? God did not call anybody to live in poverty. He didn't call anybody to live in lack in any area of their life. God has never desired that anybody live in poverty. And it doesn't matter where they're from. This is not part of suffering like Jesus. I'm suffering like Jesus. You will never, ever, ever suffer like Jesus. You know, when I was a kid, I remember, I would, I, I mean, you know, sometimes I would fake it, but so I was, it was really real this one time, and I told my mother, I had a headache. I got a bad headache. And she said, well, offer it up to Jesus. Well, he didn't want it. <laughs> We're not called to suffer like Jesus. 
Many people think if you don't suffer, then you cannot appreciate or understand good. And there's no truth in that. Sounds very religious, but that's what it is. Religious, there's no truth in it. Father has never, he never desired when Adam and Eve was in the garden. He never desired that they would suffer in the garden so that they could appreciate good. Are you with me? Jesus was not manifested on the earth so that we could appreciate his life by our suffering evil. Jesus came to give us abundant life. He's provided all things, all things, say all things, all things that pertains to my life and to living a godly life. Not just a godly life, but life. He's provided all things that pertains to my life and to live my life in a godly manner. Isn't that right? He's, God has freely given us all things in Christ because of his love for us. He loves you so much. He's freely given you the kingdom. So tell me about his gates of pearl and then tell me what yours looks like. So which means we just have a ways to go. It's not a cut. We have a ways to go. Amen. He's freely given us all things. Jesus bore away the curse so that we can enjoy good. If he wants you to suffer, why did he bear away the curse? People think, well, he'll just use it against you. No, he bore it away. He don't even have it. So therefore, he can't even use it. He left it in hell where it belonged. Amen. He came that we would have a prosperous and abundant life. That's what he wants for us. Every one of us. Say that includes me. Amen. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So many people try to excuse this away. It's amazing. Amazing how they don't want prosperity and they don't want health. I want to die sick. I want to be as sick as I can be. But yet, people get sick and they go to the doctor to get well. But they won't want to take from what God said when he wants you to be in good health. The human mind without God is a real squirrel. You ever watch squirrels? They run into dead ends, they run into a wall, they run into everything, and they never get any place. You know, that's what our mind is like. When you start trying to reason without God, you run right down into a dead end and there's no way out. People will tell you that this verse means God wants you to have a good journey in life. Well, duh. Really? No kidding. That's what... All respects means in your life. He wants your life, your journey, to be prosperous. He wants your journey on this life to be in good health. Not just get by health. Good health. Say good health. Amen. He wants us to have good health. All of me. Health. His word is a medicine to all of my body. Those chemical issues that goes on in people's heads, that is not a soulish problem. That's physical. It's a physical issue. Everything that can be seen that can't be seen. Everything you can use and don't even know you're using. 
He wants it all to be in good health. Amen. Amen. Well, you have to believe that, and you got to talk to your body. Why try talking to it? Well, you ought to try believing it the next time. (laughs) Maybe that's the issue. You don't really believe it yet. Well, I did believe it, but it just didn't. Now, wait a minute. Either God is true and every man's a liar, or every man knows what he's talking about and God's a fool. I mean, I don't know how you could say, but I believed I was in faith and it didn't happen. No. That makes God a liar. No, he wants us to be in good health. You know what health means in the Greek? It means to be healthy. Deep. This is deep. But he also wants you to have soundness. He wants you to be physically well, and it even includes safety. Amen. You know, I was using a chainsaw the last three days. Safety is a good thing. (laughs) Good health is a part of prosperity, and it's in contrast with sickness. Sickness is what? A lack of health. So a prosperous life in this area is health not lack in sickness. So when we talk about prosperity, we're not talking about just money. If all you think about is money when you hear the word prosperity, that's being short-sighted. You're also narrow-minded, and you probably have a poverty mentality if all you hear is money when you hear the word prosperity. Good health is prosperous. You're prosperous in your body. Peace and soundness is prosperous in your soul. Amen. Amen. When you became born again and you made peace with God, that was prosperous, prosperous in you, in your spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, there's many people that are afraid of prosperity, and I think that this is why they don't want to think that they should be prosperous. They're afraid of it. People think that if you have money, Money will make a fool out of you. And money does not make a fool out of anybody. They were a fool before they got the money. (laughs) Amen. You know, Proverbs is very clear about that. The heart of a fool proclaims folly. Amen. The money just showed up the fool that they were. They had more opportunities to be foolish now that they had money. It doesn't make anybody foolish, and it doesn't make anybody wise. You're not smart because you got a lot of money. Money is an object that has absolutely no life in it. It takes on the life of the person in whose hand it belongs. Amen? You don't need to be afraid of money. You don't need to be afraid of prosperity. Well, I know people that won the lottery, and it destroyed their life. That's a fool winning the lottery. That's all it was. (sighs) (laughs) Beloved, I pray that in all respects, above all things, in every area of your life, that you would prosper and be in good health just as, even as, or in direct relation to your soul prospering. Amen.
So go to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 6. The soul prospering is a key to this verse. A lot of times people don't increase in life because their soul does not increase. And the soul is the number one thing that needs to increase in your life after you get saved. And it needs to continue to increase. Romans 8, 6 says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. So the mind is part of the soul, right? The soul is something that touches the spiritual and the material part of man. You can set your mind on the spirit or you can set your mind on the flesh. So in order to set our mind on the things of the spirit, our soul must be able to touch the spirit. Or we can set our mind on the things of the flesh, so therefore it's able to touch the material part of man. The soul is in between, in between the spirit and in between the flesh. In order for the soul to prosper, it needs to be set on the things of the spirit of God. In order for the soul to prosper correctly, it needs to be set on the things of the spirit of God. For the mindset on the flesh is death, right? Now, death is not only physical death, all right, although that is included. But it refers to all the effects or the wages of sin. The wages of sin is lack in any area. The wages of sin can be sickness. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're sick, you're in sin. But the wages of sin can be sickness. The wages of sin can be lack. The wages of sin can be destruction. The wages of sin can be no peace at all. The wages of sin is unrighteousness. Death. Things that are separate from God. The mindset on the flesh is living a life separated from God where there is no life. Amen. The Amplified Bible, let's look at that, verse 6, the Amplified Bible. It says, now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. Sickness, depression, loneliness, hatred. Poverty, fear, and everything else that came as a result of sin, including death. It's all included in the word death. Before Adam sinned, there was no sickness. Before Adam sinned, there was no depression. There was no loneliness. There was no hatred. There was no poverty. There was no fear. There was nothing but the life of God. Death that compri comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. Well, it doesn't sound like anything we want to live in. So then, are we doing what's necessary for our soul to prosper? Or do we just say, this is what I want, but I don't do anything to make it happen? What am I doing? We must have a prosperous soul if health, good health and prosperity is going to take place in our life. 
You remember Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, meditate on the word day and night. Be careful to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Amplified Bible says you will deal wisely in the affairs of life. God's not there grabbing you by the back of your head and trying to make you do anything. It's us taking hold of that word, getting it in our heart so that we can deal wisely in the affairs of life. We can prosper in the things we do and we can walk in a manner that God would have us to walk in called the blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. If we're connected with death and the miseries of sin, that is not a prosperous soul. The soul is not prospering if it's living in sickness, if it's living in depression, living in poverty, living in fear or hatred. You know, when I first got saved, you know, we were actually living in a rather low level in, in poverty, barely getting by, not having enough money to do the things that we needed to do, hard to take care of the family. My wife's driving a car with a big hole in the floorboard, you know, and um, we didn't have the money. And when I got saved, I start hearing about how God wants you to prosper and be in good health. Well, we were living in poverty, so my soul was not prospering. My soul had not prospered. What does your soul prosper in? Go out and work more. Go get two jobs. Get your wife out there working and hope your kids get old enough that they can work too and everybody can work and everybody can do what's necessary so we can make some money. Teach your dog some tricks. We can get put a can out there and make some money with that. That's not a prosperous soul. And at the same time, the prosperous soul is not one that sits around and don't want to do anything. Well, I'm just believing God. You're not believing nothing, son. That's not faith. Faith has action. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, if our soul is not prospering and it's living in sickness, depression, poverty, fear, hatred, it does not make for a good journey in life. How many of you have ever been wrapped up in hatred? Okay, I'll raise my hand if you won't. All right, revenge, hatred, wrapped up in it. Eat you alive from the inside out. But yet you couldn't stop. Not a prosperous soul. So if we want to get out of sickness, get out of depression, get out of poverty, get out of fear and get out of hatred, just to name a few things, what needs to be changed? The soul. The soul needs to be changed. This is like first grade stuff. You ought to all know this. Not just here. Here. That it's working in your life. Amen. If we are to live in health and prosperity, our soul must be changed. If we want to increase our health and increase our prosperity, your soul must be changed. Your age may be getting older, but your health can be getting better. Stop with the, well, you know, you get to that age. Really, what age is that? Or are you just proclaiming folly? Because you're talking like the world. 
The Lord desires for us to live in health and prosperity. So if we want to advance in this, it's going to take some self-examination and not sit there and go, yeah, 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 I agree with that. Oh, I got that. I got that. I got that. Self-examination. Do you have it? Is it working? Are you advancing? Are you with me? <laughs> You're all believers. So that means the life of God is on the inside of you. But you can't get it out into your material, natural life unless it crosses the bridge called your soul. The soul is the bridge between the spirit and the natural. This is why you can't talk like a fool and think you're going to have the blessings of God. Because what, comes, what fills your heart comes out of your mouth. And when the wrong things are in your soul, the things of God can't get out from you. Are you with me? They're in you, but they can't get out. The health of God is in you. The prosperity of God is in you. The peace of God is in you. The righteousness of God is in you. The love of God is in you. Did it come out in the last three weeks with all the crazies out there? Well, what did come out? Are you with me? The soul touches the spirit realm and the material realm. Okay, this is why God deals with us so much about the way we think. The word of God is full of the way you think. Our soul has to be brought into agreement with the life that is in our spirit. So the things that are in our spirit can cross over the bridge of the soul and get out into the natural realm. That's a prosperous soul. The soul is the seat of our feelings, desires, and our affections, the Greek word suke, where we get the word psyche. This is the soul, the intellect, the seat of our senses and emotions, our affections and our passions. It is the place of reasoning and the setting of the will. Oh, I wish the will was part of the spirit. Because then when I got born again, my will got born again. It'd be a powerhouse. But the will's part of the soul. And it needs to be restored. It has to be renewed. Isn't that right? The soul, not the spirit, but the soul is what manifests the divine life. Because the spirit has the divine life in it, but in order for it to be manifested, it has to come through the soul. The life and the nature of God is within our spirit. Now, when you got filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you shall be filled with power which is defined as the power, the ability, the might, and the efficiency of God. Isn't that right? So inside of us, we got born again. All, all say all. all. All of God's life is on the inside of us. All of God's nature is on the inside of us. All of God's qualities is on the inside of us. Isn't that right? We have all of God's power. We have all of God's ability. We have all of God's might. We have all of his efficiency, and it's all on the inside of us. So maybe we ought to go home and look in the mirror and go, so what's your problem? I mean, all of us, right? What is the problem? Why isn't it coming out? The soul. It's the soul. It's damming up. 
the life of God. Where it's not renewed, where it's not restored, it's just setting a dam and blocking the flow of the things of God. Our unrenewed mind that still thinks, I can do this myself. You know, you couldn't save yourself from hell. So what makes us think we can save ourselves from all the other junk? Go over to Galatians chapter 3. You can't do it yourself. You don't have it to do it. We didn't save ourselves from hell. Verse 3. You didn't save yourself from hell, and you're not going to save yourself from any other junk that the devil wants to throw at you. And that's why Galatians 3.3 says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Let's look at that in the Passion Translation. Galatians 3.3. Your new life in the Anointed One began with the Holy Spirit, giving you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works? What does he call it? Foolish. And what does the fool proclaim? Folly. And what is folly? I can do it myself. I can handle this. I can take care of it. I can make it happen. I, 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 I. Foolishness. Began by the Spirit. Are we so foolish to think we'll be perfected by the flesh? You know, sometimes we just need to look at ourselves. Is the word of God alive in my spirit? What word? Whatever situation I'm in. Is a word from the Lord alive in my spirit for the situation I'm in? Is my soul in agreement with what's in my spirit? Don't be like the fool that sat and heard the word and it was over by the side of the road. They never even got it because they didn't even hear it. The word was proclaimed, but they never heard it. It was over on the side of the road. Too busy. That's foolishness. God speaks to you truth. He speaks to you your answer. And all you have to do is pay attention. So all you have to do is give yourself to who? The Holy Spirit, the one you began with. Are you all of a sudden now on your own going to try to figure everything out by yourself? No. The word of God is to be alive in your spirit. You got saved that way. You heard about Jesus. And then one day that came alive in you and said, I need to get saved. Why has it changed? Why is it now you use your head to try to figure everything out? You couldn't save yourself from hell. That dead head was not your friend. It couldn't help you one lick bit. It was dragging you down to hell. And yet all the way I thought it was so smart. (laughs) 
So if it took the word of God getting alive in our spirit for us to be saved so that we can act on it, then why would it change? Why do we go back to that smart head figuring I can figure all this stuff out? No. The word of God has to be alive in my spirit and my soul has to become in agreement with what's in my spirit. And the result of that is the manifestation of the divine life in my life called prosperity and health. Why is it that a believer might be so cantankerous? Because their mind's set on the flesh. They have no hope in their circumstances. They're not set on spiritual things or the things of God in them. Why do people complain about everything that they're involved in, even when it's God things? Because their mind's set on the wrong things. They're manifesting the old nature, the old life, instead of manifesting the divine life. Why? Because the mind is set on the flesh. We just have to get our mindset on the things of the spirit. So the question is, what's your mindset? Now, I'm not talking about your 15 minutes in the morning or your 30 minutes at night. I'm talking about your mindset in life. What is your mindset? Because a lot goes on between those 15 minutes in the morning and the 30 minutes at night. A lot goes on in between. And it's the mindset, not from the 15 minutes or the 30 minutes, but the mindset of your whole day is what sets your life. Are you with me? Someone might be cantankerous. Someone might be complaining. Somebody might be moving to the right or to the left. Doesn't mean you need to get saved again. It just means you need to get your mind set on the things of the Spirit. And those things are not on TV. Unless you're watching the Victory Channel. Amen. Getting our mindset. We can't get our mindset on the things of the Spirit if we don't take the things of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then put it in your mind. What was the first verse we talked about today? Yes, and what does it say? And that's what you should be telling yourself all day long. It's God's desire that in all respects that I would prosper and be in good health as my soul. That's what you ought to tell yourself. You don't have to memorize this whole service. You need a verse. And you need to be declaring that verse all day long and get that into your heart. Why? Because when the devil wants to come and steal from you, you can say, that's not the will of God. When sickness wants to attack you, you can say, that's not the will of God. When you realize you're thinking wrong, you need to get your soul prospering on the things of God. But you're not going to do that if you walk out of here and don't even remember anything that was said. You know, I would come to church, and you don't, you, know, you don't need to be a scholar. I would come to church, a piece of paper and a pen. Oh, 3 John 2, I'd write it down. Oh, Galatians 3, 3, I'd write it down. That's it. And then if something was alive in me when I'm hearing it, I'd write it down. And then I'd go home and read what I wrote down. I'd go back to the Bible, get the Bible out, 3 John 2, get the Bible out, read it. Galatians 3.3, 3, get the Bible, read it. 
and say it over and over and over again. Well, I can't say it all day long, but yet you can be put through all the nonsense all day long, can't you? Are you with me? Getting your mind set on the things of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. You got to put it into your mind so it can get into your heart. If you put it into your mind, it'll start to affect your emotions. It'll start to affect your feelings. It'll start to affect your will being set into the right place. The soul manifests the divine life. God desires for us to prosper in all things, spirit, soul, and in the natural realm. Because your life exists in all three realms. You can live in the divine life in all three realms, spirit, soul and body you're a spirit so therefore you have a spirit life you're a soul therefore you have a soul life you are a body therefore you have a physical life and in all three realms should be the life of God prospering amen second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 Thank you, Jesus. Second Corinthians 8, 9. But you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The word rich, the Greek word plosios, means wealthy, abundant, happy, prosperous, and lacking nothing. So that you might become wealthy, abundant, happy, prosperous, and lacking nothing. This is the will of God for you, that you do not lack anything. He wants us prosperous. Jesus came so that we would have an abundant life. Amen. Now, some people will say, oh, well, you know, Pastor, that's really, he's just talking about spiritual things there. Why do you excuse things away? Why are you so afraid of the truth? I'll tell you why, because you don't think you can step into that, and you must excuse your situation. Instead of lining up your situation with the Word of God and saying, my life needs to be better. Instead of saying, oh, no, that don't mean that because this is my life, and if that was real true, I would have it. You ain't got nothing if you don't press in in faith for it. That's like that pastor that stood in the pulpit one time and said, you know, this filled with the Spirit stuff and speaking in tongues is not real because if it was, I would have it, and I don't have it, so it's not real. And you want to excuse away the word of God because of you. Because the mind, this is, this is the problem with your mind. Your mind has to justify itself. Otherwise, it can't live with itself. And the mind is supposed to look at that verse and say, that is what I'm supposed to have in my life. I don't have it in my life now, but that's what I want. And that's the direction I'm going in. This is not a spiritual verse because all of chapter 8 and all of chapter 9 has nothing to do with anything but money. Sowing and reaping, money. Why would he throw in totally out of context something that has to do with only spiritual things? No. He's talking about finances, giving. He's talking about lack. He's talking about abundance. He's talking about supply. To say that this is spiritual would pull this totally out of context. 
but that's what the unrenewed mind does. The mind that does not want to set itself on the things of God and wants to excuse things away. There is no excuse. And when you stop making excuses, your life will advance. Amen. The passion translation of this verse. See, the unrenewed mind finds it hard to think that God really does want you to prosper. Although that same unrenewed mind wants to prosper. But religion is taught it differently. And the traditions of men have made of no effect the word of God in their life. It says here, for you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The extravagant grace. All that he would unveil within us. The unlimited riches of his glory and his grace. You have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake. So that by his poverty, we become rich beyond measure. Hallelujah. Rich beyond measure. And he's talking about all three areas. So he's not just talking about money, although money's included in it. But he's talking about all three, that we would become rich beyond measure, that you would prosper in life, that you would be in good health. All three areas, spirit, soul, and body. That you would be rich, wealthy, abundant, happy, prosperous and lacking nothing spiritually soulishly and physically amen so that abundance then is supposed to be in our soul if your soul has got a just get by mentality you're not prospering if your soul is in the this is good enough you're not prospering i'm sorry prospering in every area you know, maybe that makes you scratch your head. Well, how do I live in prosperity? How, how does this happen spiritually, soulishly? I mean, all I know about prosperity is you go to work, you make some money, and buy food. Well, if it makes you scratch your head, that's the main reason we have home groups. And the next time home group starts up, y'all need to be there. I don't care if you sat here for 10 years. Y'all need to be there. Oh, dear Jesus, but that's a Friday night, and that, that's going to take an hour, and that's going to take some time. How much time does dying take? How much time does it take sitting in the doctor's office? How much time does it take getting prescriptions? How much time does it take going to get a loan from the bank? You have no problem giving our time to all this other stuff, but what about the Word of God? That can actually change your life. That you don't need the doctor. You don't need the prescriptions. And you don't need the loans. Or credit card debt. Or anything else the world has to offer you. Work yourself to the bone. Trying to pay off that credit card. And here's God wanting you to be prosperous. But we don't have the time for that. Because those old, well-worn shoes with all the holes in them are so comfortable. They're so comfortable. You know, to get over to that word. I mean, it's going to, uh, 
rub the edges the wrong way. You know, it's going to cause my ingrown toenail to really bother me because of those new shoes, you know. I don't want to be put. Give me the old shoes. They're so comfortable. At least I know what I got. Because your mind has not woken up yet to what you could have. Amen. Glory to God. Another side of this is that a lot of people have learned to be willing to give. A lot of people haven't learned to receive. A lot of people have the attitude, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Yeah, if God wanted you to be saved, he would have saved you, right? Oh, are you so foolish to have begun by the Spirit? Are you now going to be perfected by the flesh? It was God's will that you get saved, but you had to make the choice. You had to do what was necessary. Well, God wants you to be prosperous, but are you going to make the choice and do what's necessary? Like home group, an hour on Friday night when they start up again. See, what are you going to do? God didn't make you give, and God's not going to make you receive. It is our choice to give, and it's our choice to receive. You must believe you have received. I knew someone that loved to give. They always looked for avenues to give. They looked for people in need so they could give and help them out. They had a very big problem, though, when it came to receiving. They wouldn't, they, they, you couldn't receive. It was almost impossible to give them anything. My mom was like that. We painted her house one day, and it's like she wanted to pay me. You're not paying me for painting your house. Well, let me pay you for the paint. No, you're not paying me for the paint. You know, we went to, we were going to pressure clean her house first, and we hooked up the pressure cleaner to the hose, and she's like, is that going to use my water? You know, I'm like, yeah. And how much electric is that going to use? Love to give. Just full of poverty mentality. So I refused to take any money for painting the house. And I finally had to tell her it was for Mother's Day. And then she was okay. Oh, it's for Mother's Day. Oh, okay. So then she could take it. You know, I, and I talked to her. I, I, I talked to her one day in the house about needing to learn to receive from God. God can't bless you if you don't learn to receive. You know, my painting the house, my wife and I painting her house, that was not God blessing her. That was pity. You need your house painted. It looks like it's been abandoned. You know? <laughs> Are you with me? Well, she told me, that her father, since she was a little girl, taught her never to be a taker. I'm not a taker. And didn't know the difference between taking and receiving. So then at 80 years old, she still couldn't receive as God wanted to bless her. Because tradition, you're not a taker. That's tradition. Wrong. Understand the taking, the using people and all that in the right context, yeah. Yeah. But you can't bring that over to the things of God. It was a stronghold for her. So therefore, there was no access for God to be able to bless her. 
and there was a need to renew the mind to the Word of God. Just because you think something, don't make it right. It may be your very hindrance to the blessing of God because it's in your soul. Huh? Amen. There is the realm of the supernatural and there is the realm of the normal scheme of things in the natural realm. If God's going to get anything to us, he's going to probably use people to do it. And if you have a problem with people giving you stuff, you have a big problem, major problem. Now, I know that God used the ravens to bring food to Elijah. I don't see you camping out at any canal during a famine. So you can just forget about that. God's going to use people. Now, there was that woman in Zarephath, and she was ready to eat her last meal, and her and her son were going to die. Well, God didn't send ravens to him. He sent Elijah. Now, a lot of people want the ravens. This way, they don't have to deal with people. Because they think people are more dirty than the ravens. You'd be surprised how many people don't like people. People, people that don't like people are the most unhappiest people in the world. <laughs> God's going to use people to get things to us. If we can't receive from people, we can't receive from God. And with a problem receiving our ability to give is going to become extremely limited it's going to cause a lot of frustration god was always trying to use people to bless them they just could not receive it amen and the less you like to be around people the less you're going to be able to be blessed because i guarantee you nobody in inglewood <clears throat> has your name and address, and all of a sudden they're going to come look you up. I'm supposed to give you money. You say, well, that could happen. Well, yeah, yeah, in your presumptuous mind, yes, but that's not your faith speaking. I started planting some seed a long time ago, some years ago, and I would keep a journal of the seeds that I had sown. I would write down the date. I would write down the seed that I sowed, where I sowed it. Maybe it was in a ministry, somebody's life, whatever it might have been. And then I would write next to it what I'm believing God for, for that seed to produce. And I would maybe, depending on what I was believing God, I mean, one time I was believing God for a car, you need a little more than a $20 seed, I'm just telling you. So, you know, time after time, we'd be sowing, 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 and, you know, putting in towards that, and that's what we're believing God for. And then I would record when the fruit, so one side would be seed, the other side would be harvest, and I would record when the fruit of that seed was manifested in my life. Now, I would take my seed list, the things that I had sown, and I would speak over these seeds. And I'd say, Lord, I'm sowing these things according to your word. You have said that I can sow seed, 
that it will produce, just like the seed of your word, it produces in me 30, 60, 100 fold. That's the level of faith that it produces. And then out of that level of faith, I act on it. And that action that I take, in this case, it was giving, that action that I take now will produce in my life 30, 60, 100 fold, depending on where the level of my faith is based on the seed of the word that was sown in me. Are you with me? So I would speak over the seeds. And I would declare, Lord, you said you supply all of my need according to your riches and glory, because I give and I sow. God, you give me sufficiency in all things, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, I can have an abundance unto every good deed. I scatter, therefore I will increase all the more. It's all scripturally. And I would keep my mind renewed to the word of God. Of course, you know, you look at the list sometimes, you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, it's getting close. I don't know. I don't know. You know, bills come and do, you know, taxes. You know, I had to pay my taxes, so I put it on the credit card. I'm believing God for that money to come in. Oh, where is it? You know, it's not here yet. You shake like the trees in the wind, but you got to steady yourself. God supplies all my need. He gives me all sufficiency because of his abundance of grace. God, God, I'm the one that's scattered, therefore I will increase all the more. Amen. Did it always come in? No. No, nope, didn't always come in. Why not? Because my faith wasn't where it needed to be. That's all. So what did you do when it didn't come in? Punt. Sometimes you had to do something else. I remember one time I had another credit card, and I got a cash advance on that to pay this one because faith didn't produce this one. And then by the time that one got due, my faith grew enough, and that came in. Amen. <clears throat> Are you with me? Keeping your mind renewed to the word of God. Because of the world economy, there is a crunch right now on things. Just like it was, what was that? About 15 years ago? There was a crunch back then. Well, back then, with the crunch on the economy, we were in need of a sound system. Now, the sound system, we, we had updated the sound system. The sound system was for the purposes of God, doing the things God wants us to do. So we determined in our heart, because the Bible says you can purpose in your heart. So we determined in our heart what it is that we should sow. And we all, the staff, all got into agreement that this is what we're sowing for, and we're believing God for a sound system. So we believe God, first of all, for the seed to come in to be able to sow, because we didn't have it in our hand. So then the seed came in, we took that seed and we sowed that seed, and now we have the system. Are you with me? It doesn't matter how things happen. you got to get your mind off the how. Because that's what your mind drives you crazy on. How's this going to happen? How's this going to work? You don't know. You can't even figure it out. Now, I'm sure you've got plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, you know, and those are all your, these are the hows it might work, and it may not even work like that. But do you know what you do when you unscramble the word how, H-O-W? If you unscramble that word, you'll get who. Because it's never about how, but it's always about who. It's not about how it will come. It's who the one you're looking to that's going to bring it. Are you with me? Yes. So turn the question of how is this going to happen and turn it into a statement of 
who is the one? Who is the one that will do this? The one that watches over his word. The one that is not a man that he should lie. The one that's more than enough. The one that is the all-sufficient one. The one that honors faith. The one whose eyes run to and fro throughout the earth looking for faith. Amen. Who is his word of truth that does not lie? Who is whose word is in your mouth, in your heart, and in your decision? He gives us the power to make wealth, and we're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Say this with me. I am blessed. I am blessed. I'm not trying to be blessed. I'm not trying to be blessed. I am blessed. See, the more that manifests into your life, the more then you can be a blessing. Yes. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Now, we were just in 8 9. Now we're going to 9 8. Ooh, something deep in that meaning. <laughs> and God is able to make all grace, say, all grace. See, all grace covers everything, all areas that you would abound, that you would prosper and be in good health in all areas of your life. This is why he makes all grace abound to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Amen. The Bible always talks about being sufficient, always about having more than enough, about being amply supplied. The word of God, God doesn't talk to you about lack except to say that you don't want it. Huh? God wants us to have more than enough because there are things he wants us to do. It's important to be speaking over our seed and talking to it. You need to talk to your seeds. I remember a pastor did one time. She, I think she cut an oak tree off or something at the ground. We pulled it out, and she'd go take it home and stick it in the ground, and she'd talk to that thing every day. You will live and not die. You will live and not die. You will produce. You will grow. That thing grew up to be a big old tree. You say, well, I feel funny talking to that, talking to a book or talking to my body or talking. You know, hit yourself with a hammer. You ever hit your thumb with a hammer? Anybody? <laughs> I bet you had a few words to say. You didn't have any problem holding back. Because actually talking to things is a very normal, normal way of operating. The devil's just taught you to be quiet. It's like silent prayer. We don't want to pray, but we'll have a moment of silence. Why? You need to scratch your nose. You want everybody to close their eyes so you can scratch your nose and nobody see it. I mean, come on, a moment of silence. It's nothing but the devil wanting to get you to be quiet. Amen. Speaking to your seeds, praying over your seeds, talking to your seeds, confessing your seeds, calling in the harvest of your seeds. Receive it to yourself first and then receive it into your life. All right, one last verse here. Can you take one more? Genesis chapter 45. Let's look at this in the uh, King James Version. Genesis 45, verses 10 and 11. This is about Joseph when he was over in Egypt, and then Israel and his sons came. It says, and this is Joseph talking to them, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Goshen was the best land in Egypt. And thou shalt be near unto me, 
thou and thy children and thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. And there will, and there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. So we know from the account of Joseph that at this point he is head of Egypt and he's only second to Pharaoh in the throne. The children of Israel came to the land and they come to Egypt, which is a type of the world, but there was a God man there in the world waiting for them. See, you don't just run to the world. You got to know there's a God man there waiting for you. The world stored up. They stored up. Remember the, the dream, seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. During the years of abundance, you store up because the famine's coming. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sorry, I, I misread. Joseph said there's going to be seven years of famine, so let's eat, drink, and be merry because when, when I'm, seven years of abundance, so let's eat, drink, and be merry because when famine comes, we'll just believe God to take care of that. Oh, he wasn't a 21st century Christian. That's right. I forgot. So they stored up. Egypt stored up for the seven years of abundance. Egypt, the type of the world, the world stored up and it was given to the children of God. Everything you possess in this life, you don't own it. The Bible talks about a man that had so much wealth that he didn't know what to do. And he said, oh, my soul, what shall we do? We have so much. Let us build bonds and let us just store it all up. And God said, you fool, don't you know that your life is required of you this day? And who will take hold of that which you have prepared? Now, that, don't read into that that God required his life. God don't come to kill anybody. I'm going to say that his sin had gone to full account and the devil was moving in. All that we prepare in our life is not only for us. We are preparing it for somebody else. We want to use what God has put in our hands for the purposes of God. You and your household, he said, would not be impoverished or would not come to poverty. Now, the word poverty is very important here in the Hebrew. The word poverty means to seize, to take away an inheritance, to be cast out and to be deficient. It means to disinherit, to dispossess, to take possession, to occupy, occupy by force and drive out the rightful owner. Let me read that again. This is what the definition of poverty, to seize, to take away an inheritance, to cast out, to be deficient, disinherit, dispossess, to take possession from, to occupy by force and drive out the rightful owner. So if we talk about being poor, we're not talking about we just don't have something. We're talking about something has come in and taken over our life by force and driving out the rightful owner, which is you. Especially if you are the righteous of God and you're a giver, you are the rightful owner. And the enemy comes to drive you out. Because like we said all the time, the devil don't come to give you anything. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. He does not come to give you poverty. He comes to steal your prosperity. Isn't that right? 
Amen. The righteous, the Bible says, are to leave an inheritance to their children's children. The diligent hand makes one fat. The faithful man shall abound with blessing. We are not to be driven out from that which belongs to us. And this is another reason that Jesus has given you authority. So that these things run by the devil cannot steal what belongs to you. Amen. God's desire is that we prosper and be in good health. That we do not come to poverty in any area of our life. That our health, that we're not driven out of good health, that we're not driven out of a life of peace, that we're not driven out of relationship, that we're not driven out of a life of, of health and, and abundance. God don't want us to have poverty in any area of our life. But that's what poverty is, being driven out. You're the rightful owner, and you should not be driven out. As our soul prospers, so we should prosper and be in good health. Our soul needs to prosper. Because Satan could come and steal from you by convincing you that you're lazy. He might steal from you because he's convinced you, uh, you don't need anything. You're okay. You're getting by. Satan could steal from you by causing you to take on a low self-image of being able to do anything. Oh, I can't do nothing. There's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do. I can't do nothing. It's a low self-image. Satan could steal from us because our thinking is corralled and we can't see the bigger picture. We're stuck in a bubble. We can't see the bigger picture to get out. This is what I've always done. This is what I always do. This is, this is how it always works. There's a bigger picture out. Satan steals from us because we can't seem to break free from our traditional thinking. And it causes the same old results in our life of not enough. Satan could steal from us by getting us wrapped up in sin, addictions of any sort, and stolen all of our money because we've spent it on all this other stuff. Satan will use anything. Satan will try anything until he gets something that'll stick, that he can use to steal our prosperity and drive us out of our ownership. He's always looking, always looking. And here's the deal, folks. Every single one of us has something. He ha every single one of us has access for Satan into our life. And this is why it's imperative that we renew our mind, change the way we think, get our soul prospering, that little by little we shut the door on that dirt bag that is always trying to steal from us. That we understand I don't have a low self-image. I have God's opinion of me. I understand that as I get older, I don't have to get sicker. I understand that God wants me to prosper and be in good health. I understand that I have the strength of God on the inside of me and I am not lazy. Isn't that right? Amen. I understand that there's more to me and more to my life than what I think. I'm only limited by my thinking. And the power of God gives me what I need 
to break and be delivered out of any kind of sin, out of any kind of addiction, out of any sort, that I can be free from it. We get the Word of God in our heart, get it in our mind, get it in our mouth, get it in our life, and it'll get into our choices. It's where it ultimately needs to wind up, in your choice. The Word of God is not designed to wind up in that Bible. It's not designed to wind up in this pulpit. It's not designed to wind up on live stream. It's not designed to wind up in a DVD. It's designed to wind up in your heart and in your mouth and in your choice. If we cannot make choices based on what the Word says, we don't know the Word. And we need to know the Word. It's the path, the lamp of our path, the lamp of our feet, the light to our path. The Holy Spirit guides us in all the truth. He wants to lead us and guide us in life. We must have our soul prospering on the things of the Spirit, the Word of God. Hallelujah. 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 